All right, welcome back to the big program. Wow, man, went a little hot there with Laddie talking ham and turkey. He was fired up. A lot of our listeners are too. And uh, we touched on this at about quarter after seven this morning uh, when we told you that the Edmonton Elks were having a shareholders meeting at eight o'clock. So we were probably one of the first to tell you all about what was going down today with the uh, exploration of ownership opportunities and the fact that, yes, Private ownership has been bandied about for a long time, and we did discuss that this morning at quarter after seven. So, hey, it all comes down to dollars, and there's no question about it that the Elks have been losing money for several seasons now. Uh, That's just the reality of it. Now, private ownership, and we did discuss who's the number one guy who would buy this team. We all know who it would be in town, but is it a fit for uh, the person that owns a couple of hockey teams. As I said at 7.15, there is no way currently, and I've said this for a long time, that the Oilers Entertainment Group would look at the Edmonton Elk situation with Commonwealth Stadium the way it is. Would you build another stadium? Would you build another stadium that seats 35,000? Would you bandy that idea so that you have control, more control of it than what happens right now with the community-owned team and the city. Because every time that gets brought up, (laughs) the Oilers Entertainment Group goes, "Uh, we don't want to be a part of that. We don't want that involvement because it's just not going to happen the relationship there isn't what is in the vision of the Oilers entertainment group that's my belief you might not agree with it text coming in one 1440 hey guys from fingers how would private ownership help the elks this is from fingers um well how would it help okay right now currently there are three community-owned teams in the cfl edmonton Regina, the Rough Riders, Saskatchewan, and Winnipeg. Right now, Winnipeg is the healthiest franchise in the CFL. Saskatchewan was. The Riders were. But because of what has been happening off the field and on the field in Regina, that has changed, and now Winnipeg is. So how would it? How would private, private ownership help here? Well, if you had a situation where... Okay, look at BC... BC struggled and struggled. And let's make no mistake here. All the teams in the CFL, every last one of them, has been living off what the green and gold have been providing. They were the goose that was laying the golden eggs for many, many years. They helped out franchises monetarily a lot. People don't know about it. This is going back years and years and years because you could look at it um, for one reason. This is one of the reasons they brought in the organizational cap because the Eskimos and then the Yelks were, you know, they they had an unlimited amount of money. They had a limited amount to to fork out to, to get players, to scout players, to manage players, to coach players doesn't happen now and and that's one of the reasons the league is in trouble because the players don't have that ability to continue on and build and grow teams don't have 
the chance, the ability to offer that. Back in the day when the then Eskimos sold the Edmonton Trappers, they made $6 million about U.S. dollars. So a lot of money. That money went into a stabilization fund for years and years. It grew. I mean, it was building interest. But the football team spent a lot of it. I mean, the city didn't. A community-owned team. How much has the city really helped out the Edmonton Elks? If you know the answer to that, let me know. I don't. How much are they willing to help out a community-owned team? The city would love nothing love nothing more than to get this out of a community-owned team. What has the city done to help the Elks? Not much, if anything. We're trying to get Tom Richards on for 1040, uh, chairman of the board of directors. Tom responded to me uh, quite quickly, but said I had to go through Evan Dom, and I sent Evan a text 15 minutes ago, and he has probably pretty busy with stuff going on this morning. So trying to get Tom on for 1040. I am told that Rick Lalasher will guest with Jason Greger this afternoon on the Jason Greger Show. But the Edmonton Elks with private ownership, it might be the only way to go moving forward with this franchise because... I mean, there are a lot of things that have happened with this team financially that it's been a burden. They just haven't been able to get past what's been going on. So this special committee has been organized, and we talked about this right at uh, quarter after seven this morning. Special committee organized with current board members, Tom Richards, Brent Heshey, and Daryl Bosenkuhl. They're joined by Diane Brickner and Bruce Bentley, former board members. And I believe with the wording of this release that was sent out by the Elks, that Bruce Bentley will serve as chair of the committee. Rick Lalisher will be on the committee as a non-voting member. Uh, quote from Rick Lalisher, the club's financial struggles over the last several seasons can't be overlooked. The impacts of COVID, pandemic, football operations, Decisions and subsequent struggles on the field have all contributed to a difficult financial situation. We are confident in our ability to operate in 2024 thanks to our trust fund. That's the stabilization fund that we we're talking about. Strong season seat renewals. That remains to be seen. Um, and the support of our sponsors and fans. We will, however, need new investment before the end of next year to ensure that the club is positioned to succeed for years to come. That's a strong statement. Remember back in the day, and we touched on this again, at quarter after seven, the Oilers came out when things were dire with them with a copper jackets uh, type of scenario where you ended up going to oh, you know, several dozen high-profile businessmen who ended up to be pieces on the chessboard, if you want to use a, a Jay Woodcroft analogy. And these pieces on the chessboard moved around the city and got people excited, involved again with the Oilers organization, both emotionally and financially. Is that what happens here moving forward with the green and gold, with the Elks? 
A lot of things, a lot of things to be discussed. <laughs> Jiffy says the OEG have enough on their plate. No need to take on another team. Very true. Very true. Well, it's an interesting morning. An interesting morning for sure. Coming up at 1020, Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News will guest with us. We're still working on having Tom Richards coming on at uh, 1040, hoping that Tom can come on. That will be an exciting time. Kind of getting word possibly of an Elks newser. I haven't seen anything on that. Maybe I'm just trying to do too many things here at once. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a quick break here, Duke. We'll regroup, talk a little Elks. Uh, we'll talk NFL football with uh, Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Just to update, yes, there's a Edmonton Elks News Conference uh, slated for 40 minutes. They'll discuss the potentials with uh, private ownership, any ownership, uh, structure, things like that. Uh, Rick Lollisher, Tom Richards will be uh, at 11 o'clock. Uh, we'll have more on that uh, on uh, the lowdown with low tide and then Jason Greger at 2 o'clock. Time to talk a little NFL football right now. Let's t- uh, bring in Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News. Uh, good morning, Michael. Welcome to Sports 1440. Michael, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, we got you now, Michael. Uh, welcome to Sports 1440. Good morning and happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks yeah. for having me. Oh, it must be just a, a great day. Uh, we are so jealous that you get to have three NFL games on a day like today. And you know, people get together with their families and they talk football, they watch football. Uh, and you are no exception as you get ready for a big game this afternoon, Washington and Dallas. Cowboys come in at 7-3, and three, but man, oh man, really playing well at home winning the last 12 games it's just uh it seems like uh, uh whenever they're playing at home they seem to the, the best gets brought out uh, of them well, what do you make it this afternoon's uh, a game against the commanders yeah i think it'll be an interesting one where on, on paper you know the cowboys are a better team and, and to your point they've you know they're 4-0 at home they've defeated every team that they've played at home by at least 20 points uh, whereas the, the commanders you know, last nine games, but when you do look, look look a little more closely at how they've lost those games, you know, they they play teams pretty pretty tough, mm-hmm. and so with Sam Howell at quarterback, you know, if the Cowboys were to jump out to a lead, which I think would be reasonable to expect, you know, with Howell at quarterback, you know, he's got the ability to when he's at his best carry the Commanders, and so I'm eager to see how this one goes because again, I think on paper the Cowboys are the better team. And you mentioned the home success uh, that should all translate to a win. But with Hal at quarterback, you know, his best is, is right up there. And, and obviously he's got some bad on film too. But he, he's got the ability to give the commanders a puncher's chance today. And at least garbage time, make it interesting and perhaps this game closer than it would seem to be uh, poised to be otherwise. Yeah, Michael, do you think Sam Howell is going to chuck it 45, 50 times today? Yeah, I think that would be reasonable, which it's – a bit of a tall ask for for a quarterback against this Dallas defense that leads the NFL in terms of uh, pressure rate of, of dropbacks. So no one gets to the quarterback at a higher rate than the Cowboys do. Same as it was last year. And so you know how over the recent weeks he's done a pretty good job of cutting down the sack numbers. But if you're going to be 
airing it out 40, 50 times against this sort of pass rush, then that's when I think the game can really tilt in the Cowboys' advantage, or at least it plays into their favor uh, in terms of a, a team that's got to throw against them. Then you have Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Dante Fowler and company. Uh, they know how to get to the quarterback and impact them. Michael Gilkin, Dallas Morning News, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Michael, has, has Dak Prescott kind of cleaned things up uh, in the last few weeks when you look at uh, you know turning the ball over and then things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think turnover-wise, it's definitely been a radical improvement from last year, which if you were to look at Prescott's track record for, for turnovers going into last year when he led the league in them, um, you know, you, you expect to be a bit of a, a drop-off this year. Um, and the way that Mike McCarthy is, the play caller, has, has kind of designed his offense, you know, some of those option routes and other aspects of what Kellen Moore brought that were a little risky, um, those have, by and large, been, been, been reduced dramatically. Um, so... There's, there's all that component. And then I think Dak, really since that week five game against the 49ers, he took a hard look in the mirror about how he could elevate his game mm-hmm. off of that defeat. And one thing that he came away with is that he needs to do more with his legs. And that's been a, a huge difference in terms of this offense. It's kind of been unlocked with what Prescott can do after the, as the Cowboys say, their initial 2.3 seconds of a play. The initial 2.3 is, is very you know, in rhythm of a play call, but then after that 2.3, you know, it's, it's a scramble drill or it's just fine time, you know, whatever it may look like, Dak Prescott's been able to do that really, really efficiently. So uh, when you have a quarterback who's, who's buying time with his legs and making good decisions with, with you know, receivers like CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks come on of late, and we've seen Jake Ferguson, a second-year tight end, do more, um, and you're starting to see an offense find a groove a bit over the past month. You're exactly right in the sense that uh, everyone looks to C.D. Lamb, but boy, Ferguson and uh, and Cooks have really, you know, they sort of enabled, I think, Prescott to spread out the offense a little bit more. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And I, it's you know, I, this is my fifth season covering the Cowboys, which is not nearly as long, long as, as some others. And for Cowboys fans who are well aware of you know the, the drought that it's, that has been, uh, you know, uh, in terms of winning a championship, you know, over the past two decades now. It's, um, I think, I, I, when we talk about the positives in this Cowboys offense, we talk about the positive attack Prescott. Again, maybe I'm just jaded, mm-hmm. but you got to do it against teams in January. And so I feel like right now we're seeing some of the statistics uh, pile up a bit here in Dallas. We're seeing the wins pile up, which is obviously more of more importance. But, you know, it's one thing to, to beat the Panthers or, or to beat – you know, the Rams at home, um, or, or, you know, Rams are, can be fine, but otherwise they have issues. And, you know, or, or even, you know, the Giants are, uh, yeah. today, if they're able to get past the Commanders, that's, that's good. You're supposed to be the team that you should be. That's what, that's what good teams do. They don't play the level of their competition, and the Cowboys should be commended for that. But when it comes to this offense, when it comes to, you know, the Cowboys as a whole, I just don't know if it really means a whole lot until we get to January, which is maybe a, a strange thing for a reporter who covers the Cowboys to say. <laughs> Because every you know you're, you're writing articles and it's all supposed to matter, yeah. but if you're really going to just take a big picture view of this season, yeah, they're doing things that they should be doing, and and, and it, 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 it inspires a little bit of hope of what January could look like. But these guys have to do it, and so yeah, uh, right now Dak Prescott, the offense, spreading the ball around, it's all good, you know, well and good. But until you get to the games that matter most, which is postseason, where the Cowboys haven't been to a conference championship game in far too long, you know, it, it, it all feels a little, you know. 
just kind of weak, frankly. Yeah, and you know, as we guess with Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News, to get back to that championship game, you were we would assume uh, you're going to have to go through either you know Detroit possibly, but for sure Philadelphia. What did you make after these two wins against Carolina and the Giants? And as you said, they didn't play down to their the level of competition. But what did you make of that game in Philadelphia on November 5th where they lost 28-23? Yeah, that was, that was one that could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, you know, going in about two minutes of the game, it looked like the Cowboys were going to pull it out. I think the Cowboys are entirely capable of, of beating Philadelphia. They'll see them again here in Dallas in a couple of weeks. But even um, if they are to lose the division and, and the Eagles win the division and the two are to meet again in the playoffs in Philadelphia – I think the Cowboys are entirely capable of beating the Eagles. The Eagles are so good in short yard situations, and that was a big part of when these teams last met. Is you know third and one, fourth and one, they feel so comfortable with the brotherly shove as they should, and Jalen Hurts gets those yardage and extends drives, and, and that matters. You know, and we talk a lot about that play, but it does matter when you can extend drives, and so that is um, you know a big threat in terms of if these two teams meet again, but uh, certainly in the playoffs. But I think the Cowboys are, are talented enough in the way the offense is rolling at late. Um, you know, again, it inspires hope for, for what January could look like. But that's just it. It's hope. And there's been a lot of that around here. But I do think in terms of the Cowboys and Eagles matchup, that the Cowboys have the potential to beat these guys twice more this, uh, you know, this season. Once in Dallas and then another should they meet in Philadelphia. Uh, Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, how well has Micah Parsons played this year leading this defense? Yeah, he's played really well. Uh, I know there was a couple games ago where he didn't record a single statistic, a tackle, a sack, anything of the sort. But, you know, there's a lot of context to that when it happens. And you just look overall what he brings, uh, the explosion. Uh, he's got a little more strength to his game, a little more power. Um, but he's just got a ridiculous motor. And he's so instinctive when he's making his pressure moves. He doesn't really have a plan at the snap. He just reads an offensive line's movement. And, and was able to, to find a way to get leverage and, and go past them. And then Dan Quinn, as defensive coordinator, does a really, really effective job of just moving him around. So you'll see him at, you know, inside linebacker. You'll see him more so at defensive end. And then they do not hesitate at all to have him line up over the center or guard and, and just have him take the A-gap. Or you know, he's got the ability to, with the, you know, four, four three-level speed, you know, he can, he can just – show that he's going to blitz and mug the A-gap, and then once the snap comes and you've got the offensive line protection expecting him to come, suddenly he bails out and he's in coverage, and that frees up maybe a defensive lineman for a one-on-one matchup because you're Michael Parsons. So he creates all kinds of issues before the snap, after the snap. He's definitely the most important player on the defense, and it all goes through him. Michael, do you think a key uh, matchup today might be Parsons versus uh, Commanders running back Brian Robinson? Seems to be catching the ball a little more out of the backfield, and we know he can run. So uh, can you just kind of discuss the dynamic of what we might see between, uh, you know, Robinson and not just Parsons, but, you know, the the whole uh, uh, Dallas defense? Yeah, I think Robinson, you know, the Cowboys have not allowed a 100-yard rusher this season. And for that matter, they haven't allowed a 100-yard receiver. Um, and so if you look at Brian Robinson and you know, how did the commanders win this game, what is their road you know, to, to do so, they've, they've got to get Brian Robinson Jr. going. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys actually done a, again, I mentioned the 100-yard uh, rushing drought against them. But even beyond that, from a team standpoint, they, they had a, a really good against the run, really poor first half. 
and actually struggled in the first half last week against the Panthers. But you take away those those half aside, um, that the Cowboys have been in their other ten games uh, really really shut down against the run. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think that's again, if you're the Commanders, you need to get the run game going, and the Cowboys are aware of that. But if this game gets out of hand, then you get away from what the Commanders want to do, which is that balance, and then you play into the pass versus hand. So uh, it's, it's 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 less to me about Robinson versus Parson, more about this defense against Robinson. Yeah. And if they're able to stop him, then it becomes, you know, Mike Parsons and company mm-hmm. against Powell and just teeing off, putting their ears back and going. And that's, again, that's the way this game could go. And, and Powell's got the ability to overcome it, but turnovers will suddenly become a higher risk for Washington. And can they affect the football with the pass versus in his face? Uh, we will wait and see. Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News, our guest on Sports 1440. Um, can you explain, I guess, Michael, just a, a Thanksgiving Day game to our listeners up here in Canada? Uh, is the atmosphere different compared to a normal game? And yes, it's Thursday and it's in the afternoon, but um, what are what are the differences that you could explain to our listeners compared to a normal game, uh, a Sunday game in Dallas? Well, there's a halftime show that's a little different. So they have a musical performance every year. Uh, this year, it's, it's Dolly Parton, which there's a lot of excitement around here about. And so there's 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 that major difference. And you know, obviously, Thanksgiving is, is so much about family and, and food and, and those sorts of things. But football has become an innate part of it as well. And so for those people who choose to come to AT&T Stadium and watch the Cowboys play at home every year. Uh, you know, Thanksgiving tradition has become interlinked with going to the game. And so you have people, you know, in the parking lot, you know, having Thanksgiving meals or, you know, some people wait until they get home after the game. You have the ability to have it in the parking lot and then go to the game. And then, you know, so it, it, the whole tradition just revolves around going to a Cowboys game. And so I think there's a little more festive spirit, a little more family. It, it is kind of a, a different energy level. Um, both before the game and, and during it with the performance. Yeah, you know, I always, the, the the picture, the vision that keeps coming back to me always on Thanksgiving in Dallas is, you know, back in when John Madden was doing the games and they brought out the turkey with eight legs and, you know, uh, you know Aikman had a leg and Emmett Smith had a leg and, I don't know, Nate Newton had about ten legs, it seems. But, you know, that, that's the the images that we always get up here that we, you know, that we're, I guess we're sort of jealous of because it's such a big day for Canadians to watch. You know, it used to be just one game, then it was two, and then now three. So, I mean, this is just nonstop for, for people in the States to kind of, I guess, embrace the NFL, and they've done a wonderful job. And then tomorrow as well with the Black Friday game. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's really good anywhere else. And if you actually look back at the history of Thanksgiving, there's, probably some aspects of it that are inherently problematic, but it, it's an excuse to enjoy food, to enjoy family, to enjoy as it would be football. And so the, the turkey leg is no doubt part of that. And so I believe they still do that where like the top performer, like the MVP type of thing. I don't know if they do it offense and defense for the same game or it's just a single player. It's been a while since I've looked at the television production of how they package it. But, you know, I heard Mike Parsons say this week, like, I want my turkey leg. And so, you, you know, guys – want to be able to show up on the, on the stage of, of Thanksgiving, understanding, I believe last year, the, the most watched game of the year was the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And mm-hmm. so there's, there's this heightened stage with this moment of holiday and everyone's going to crunch around the country, just kind of gathering around. 
there there definitely is uh, you know everyone wants to show up every single game but for this one it is a little special for those on the field hey michael thanks for your time today uh, appreciate it uh, happy thanksgiving uh, enjoy i guess well we just almost kicked off i guess the first game here so uh, enjoy today's uh, game dallas and washington and uh, we'll chat soon appreciate your time thanks i appreciate it take care that's michael gelkin of the dallas morning news here's what i would love to see today duke in the second game, we'll talk to the, about the first game in a second here. It's just getting underway. Four touchdowns. Uh, this is uh, just a second here. Hang on a minute. I'm predicting an upset special uh, because my I know my buddy Murray McCourt from the ranch is listening. Big Dallas fan because that, that shows you how smart he is. But upset special. Washington beats Dallas today. Four touchdown tosses by Sam Howell. Two of them to Johan Dotson. That's my that's what I'm that's my way out there prediction. I I do believe it's it's kind of um I, I use this expression a lot because I, I love it but the um, unstoppable force meets the immovable object uh, nobody's been sacked more this season than Sam Howell <laughs> and uh, as uh, Michael mentioned nobody is better at pressuring the quarterback than the Dallas Cowboys so it uh, it seems like a, a match made in heaven for the Cowboys to get a big win on Thanksgiving at mm-hmm. home but man how can you not be impressed with what Sam Howell has done this season but last week he sucked though. But he, like he still gave his team a chance to to win the game. I mean, through the pick uh, on the. I mean, they still yeah. lost by double digits. I pick guess six it was. on the last on play. the last play. Correct. Yeah. So it, I mean, he he still played well, and I expect him to play well today and kind of as the as the kids maybe say ball out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I can't envision the Cowboys losing this game. Uh, Trent Wilhawk of Wilhawk Beef Jerky, mm-hmm. uh, the presenting sponsor of Fantasy Frenzy, also a big Cowboys fan. So I'm sure Trent will have his uh, eyes glued to the TV. And yeah, I've I've got the game pulled up on the alternate monitor here uh, we still haven't quite got the tv in the studio done but they are literally kicking the ball off Beautiful. as we speak right Man, now it's exciting and i'm uh, i'm pumped uh, i'm i'm a big jameer gibbs guy oh, yeah. i'm in uh, my one fantasy league. i've got a few you've got wagers. him in every league you have him in let's be no, honest I only, I, well i only play in two leagues kevin oh. um and i have him in the one he i the start of the season, I was nervous because I was like, man, did I draft this guy way too high for a rookie? But uh, when Montgomery went out for a couple yeah. weeks, Gibbs took over. And last week, yeah, Montgomery still got his uh, touches and a big score against his former team. But uh, but it's still the Jameer Gibbs show. And, uh, yeah, Jordan Love in the offense taking the field for the Packers right now. You know, that's with Gibbs and Montgomery, those are two powerful guys that can play any down, it seems. You, you know, if, if you've got Montgomery in a, on a third down, you're okay with that. If Gibbs comes down, comes in a third down, you're okay with that too. If someone takes over one or two series, it's good. Yeah. I, fantasy aside, I'm just talking for the Lions' the, success. The, oh, 100%. Like, know. and it, it's funny to think the Lions. This is a brand new backfield. They look at the success DeAndre Swift is having yeah. with the Eagles and the, their team as a whole as well. But you can't really fault the the Lions approach here. They let Jamal Williams walk uh, after leading the league in rushing touchdowns. DeAndre Swift, uh, a former high draft pick, they trade him away for I think it was a third, and then they spend this high first round pick on a running back and bring in a veteran who, like you said, he's an every down back. He was mm-hmm. the number one running back for the Bears for two or three full seasons there and had a lot of success for a bad Bears team. So you can't argue with the results. They're a really good football team. And above all else, they're really fun to watch. Uh, Just to update the orders on the ice in the nation's capital today, I guess the nation's capital. Um, To be honest with you, I don't know exactly where they are practicing. I'll find that out in one second because it's probably in some suburb. You never know. Uh, On the ice today, the lines... Ryan Nugent Hopkins, left side with Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman. 
Evander Kane on the left side with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor Brown. The third line basically stays intact with, uh, well, mind you, Fogel was up on the top line there. So, But it's back, Fogel, McLeod, and DR, Derek Ryan. Then you've got Adam Ernie, James Hanlon, Matthias Janmark, and Sam Gagne rotating in on the fourth line. Nurse and CeCe, Ekholm, Bouchard, Kulak, DeHarnay, and Broberg. Stuart Skinner, if you look at the way they have a depth thing, would be starting tomorrow. And to be honest, I don't really have a problem with whoever starts because we're way past. Like the we point. said, it was spec. Like it doesn't does it, matter. Does it matter at this point? It just yeah. it doesn't matter. Play better. Goalies, defensemen, forward. Play hard. Play like it's your last shift. Do that every. Just when you break it down, Duke, it seems so simple. You know, okay, if if you are Fogel, McLeod, or Ryan. Or Hamlin, Yanmark, and Ernie, and to an extent, Connor Brown. Okay, let's just use that grouping. You know you're going to get four or five shifts a period. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's bust it down. I okay, my, I, I'm only going to get four or five shifts a period. That's it. All I'm going to do is give it my very, very best on every one of those shifts. And now you've 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 strung together four or five shifts. You've played a period. Yeah, like you said, you know, Kevin, it seems so simple and rudimentary in nature. Like you said, it like just play harder. And we we fully are aware and recognize it is not that easy, but it yeah. should be. Like yeah. whether it's me playing fourth line left wing for the senior outlaws, uh, where like I said, I don't play any special teams. I get a couple shifts, go out there, skate hard, rub a few bodies mm-hmm. out, um, and don't get scored on. You know, if you can contribute a goal, sure. Yeah. But uh, you're you're you you are doing your best to keep your team in the game and play your role. Uh, text says, I think John Madden called it a turducken. I don't yes. know. Yes, but so that was that's three birds in one, the turducken. Yeah. The real turducken. Yeah. Because that's the chicken, uh, the hen. No, the, the chicken uh, in the duck in the turkey. Chicken in the duck in the turkey. And, but, uh, the, but how they, they this was a uh, a totally crafted turkey with, and it looked good. Oh, they rolled right probably, onto the field. But they probably had eight or six uh, drumsticks per side. Six, I think. Uh, yes. No. There, oh, yeah. There were six. They they welded these babies on there. And there was a guy that made these turduckens, but there were six drumsticks on either side. Mm-hmm. Three on either side. So six yeah, total. Yeah, six legs, three birds. Yeah. All right. It's been an eventful show. Again, Elks with a news conference at 11. Uh, hence the reason why I sent that out to Tom Richards to come on at 11. Uh, sorry, at 1040. But obviously he is busy preparing for this news conference. So appreciate Tom Richards getting back. Uh, I'm sure there will be a lot of questions involving the Elks at this news conference in the sense of where is this franchise going? Will it turn into private ownership? Will some private companies, businessmen, come along, come on board and have to bail this team out. Do you want to call it a bailout? Well, if they don't get any money by the end of the year, they just said that the future is bleak. That's for CFL football in what once was the flagship franchise of the Canadian football. We're back to wrap things up on Sports 1440 right after the break. All right, welcome back to the final segment of the Kevin Carrier Show. Uh, Duke, I feel for you today because you got to hang around to do Fantasy Frenzy, but I feel for you both ways. I know you'd rather be just kind of watching the game, but this is 
this is the first time in the history of your show that you will have a game live in progress going on. That's got to be exciting. Oh, it's very exciting. Um, the th- we we te- kind of teed up a little bit of obviously this first game, but we'll be getting like up to the minute, uh, yeah. like right before kickoff type thing. For I mean, not obviously exactly, but leading into the, the Dallas Commanders games, the the right what would regular be a Thursday night game, Black Friday game tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more imminent decisions have to be made, be made on people's lineups and things uh, with four games happening before Sunday instead of just the standard one. So, yeah, I'm pumped about it. And, I mean, hey, we got the monitors here. We can uh, still take in the game all the same. So tomorrow's game is 1 o'clock our time. So that's the uh, Jets and the Finns. Tons of texts coming in. Uh, Most sports bars used to have a great American Thanksgiving and they served turducken. Not sure exactly where these bars were would be nice. Uh, we saw the lines change again. Jiffy says, I thought Knobloch wanted consistency. He's been doing the blender like the past three coaches we've had. I know things aren't going, but clearly the blender doesn't work. Oh, here's from MMH. Hey, KK, it would be the U.S. capital. Our nation is Canada. What? When did this happen? I'm totally confused, MMH. I don't know if it's because when the, Oilers, this. when the Oilers lose... People are just in a little bit of a more irritable mood, and as a result, uh, send texts in that, like, I- I'll be honest, it, we appreciate all your texts regardless, <laughs> but some of them, like, yeah, we're well aware that our nation is Canada. Unfortunately, MMH, I want to congratulate you and thank you this, because in the last three hours, the Duke and I have become American citizens, we have dual citizenship, and we've also moved down the show. We're doing it out of Washington today. We flew down this morning. So we are American citizens, and we are in our nation's capital doing the show from Washington. Uh, yeah, Jason Greger, sure, he gets the ice house for an yeah. afternoon, but we get live from the uh, concourse at Capital One <laughs> Arena, Washington, D.C. Uh Rob goes, uh, Washington's plus 575 on the money line right now. Yikes. Um, of course, I was kind of joking about uh, Washington uh, beating Dallas today, but the, obviously the reason I said it because I'm 0-12 in fantasy. Mm-hmm. And I have Sam Howell and Johan Dotson going because I have no one else left to play. Sadly, sadly. Oh, man. You know, I couldn't believe how many people were talking about the, when uh, Laddie was still here with the turkey versus ham. So you're ham. Like, la- like la- I, I like both, but okay. like I said, if I could only pick one, like if my mom were to come to me uh, ahead of Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, and say, hey, uh, I'm only going to have time to cook mm-hmm. one thing or the oven, whatever, I would say cook a ham. Have you ever done a ham in the slow cooker? A ham in the slow cooker? Yes. No, we, we don't have uh, we don't have a smoker at the farm. No, 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 just a slow cooker. You buy those oh, crock pots like that a, sit, oh, okay, like yes, they yes, sit yes, on yes, your yes. countertop. Yes. So if you can find one, you know, depending on the size, and you buy those hams and you can get them on a good sale wherever you buy your 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 meat products, You get if you can get it in there and make sure the lid comes, you know, obviously the lid has to be closed. You make those little cuts and you put your grainy mustard in yeah. there. I don't. I'm not a big clove guy. Cloves and ham that doesn't work. So just slice the, slice those little slits in a little checkerboard kind of thing. Spread that grainy mustard in there. Now you've got a winner. You've got a winner. Oilers lines again, just in case you missed it. So yeah, jumbled up a little bit. R N H McDavid Hyman K 
Kane, Drysaddle Brown, Fogel, McLeod, Ryan, and then you've got the four-pack, Ernie, Hamlin, Janmark, and Gagne. Nurse and Cece on the back end with Ekholm, Bouchard, Kulak, Deharnay. Um Oilers practicing, and then the game tomorrow afternoon. Um, hmm. Gene Principe sends a post out that says, uh, the post-practice stretch as the Oilers have wrapped things up uh, in Washington, the nation's capital of the United States. The stretch was led by uh, Connor Brown. Uh, he played in Washington very oh, briefly, very I guess. Free. Four games, three games, whatever it was. Uh, but joined by Americans Derek Ryan and Adam Ernie on American Thanksgiving. What a gesture oh, by the team. man. Who says this team might have problems in the locker room? They're obviously Tight. all very good friends Tight. because they're letting the Americans lead the stretch yeah. on American Thanksgiving. So, I mean, what again, a move. Uh, all class. And what did uh, Laddie was saying? Just go have a, some turkey or something, watch some yeah. football. Well, yeah, your- once they get off the ice, I, I think a good on-the-road team afternoon Um because you're probably going to have to go to bed a little earlier than normal, maybe with the earlier start uh, tomorrow, the matinee affair. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm totally making that up. But, it, uh, yeah, I think just an afternoon off. Like Laddie said, just try and put this out of your mind. And we've said that a lot. We talked about the, the rookie party <laughs> road trip. Um, when they went, this, this is the road trip they're on right now. A good chance for bonding when you're out with the boys, away from the distractions of maybe it is, uh, you know, you got kids keeping you up hmm. at night or or this, uh, the the heated driveway isn't working for Connor or something. He'll come back and it'll be three feet of snow covered on it. Whatever. Uh, yeah. They're on the road. Relax. Watch some football. Eat some turkey if it's there. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, guy just texted in and wasn't happy about going after someone here. I'm going to just say this. If you send your name in, I'll read your text because uh, he's coming at me. Send your name in on your text and I'll read it for you if you want. Uh, imitation Tom, how is... 0-12 even possible. Well, I can t- guarantee you that I'm 0-12 in fantasy football this year. Absolutely everything's gone wrong. I've won a championship in this league. Jason Greger has not won a championship in this league, which is the only thing I can say right now being 0-12. <laughs> Kevin pronouncing Dotson's first name over and over is hilarious. <laughs> Could be the only reason that he's 0-12 from Big John. What I, well, it's, Jahan. It, it's Jahan Dotson. Oh, Jahan, Jahan, whatever. <laughs> You're just trying to have a little, <laughs> little more flavor to it. Um, Snarly's f- happy with it. Well done, Kevin. Loving the sarcasm to the foolish comments. Not enough people call out BS complaining today. You got a fan, good sir. Well, thanks, Snarly. And if that other guy wants to text in about me... Uh, talking about the, where the American capital was and where we are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, don't, this, I don't know if most sports bar had turducken. This guy's sending something in. I, I don't get that one either, but there's nothing wrong with a, a, a dirty bird turducken, man. You know, chicken, if, uh, if, if there's any place duck. here willing to serve that, I mean. You know, well, the, the, the other thing too is you basically when you do the chicken, you have to debone the chicken. And you have to debone the turkey. So, the, the, sorry, the, the duck. duck to get it into the cavity. Yeah. So, and when it all comes out, basically, like those two inserts, they end up kind of being like a roll and you're cutting it like a, almost like a meatloaf inside. You know what I'm saying? That's the yeah. stuffing part. Yeah. 
I, I see where you're coming yeah. from. Yeah, I've never had one, but I've never had any sort of stuffed bird, like a, like a bird in a bird, whether it be just mm-hmm. a, a turd duck or a, a duck chin or, or any combination of them. I've never had one. Mm-hmm. I've only ever seen them on TV, but I'd be I'd be interested in it. I would never even dream of uh, attempting to make one. Yeah. And I, uh, if I were to float that idea to my mother for, say, a holiday coming up, she'd probably just uh, not even validate it with a response. The other thing with... A lot of people are getting away from it because of the the possibility of, I guess, salmonella or some other problem. They don't put the the stuffing in the turkey anymore. No, which I, I'm not a big stuffing guy in general. Oh, like, it's 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 big not, stuffing guy. It's not for me. Um, but I don't know. Like if we've been doing it for this long, there's know. a probably I'm sure I'm sure if you cook anything the wrong way or you're going to be in, prepared yeah. incorrectly, you're going to fall ill likely. Um, so I don't know. I mean, people have been eating stuffing in the turkey for seemingly forever. <laughs> oh. So uh, Oilers tomorrow, uh, 1 o'clock game time, our time, so 3 o'clock in Washington. So that's going to be an interesting afternoon as well. Uh, tonight we've got the three games coming up. Uh, one's underway already. It's 7 nothing Green Bay. Any update on that, Duke? 7-6. The Lions came back down the field and... Um, Don't say it. Gibbs. Uh, I know it, uh, I, which was disappointing for me because I had a little wager on Jameer Gibbs' first uh, first TD score for the Lions. Uh, it was Sam Laporta, uh, his touchdown reception there. I don't know if they. I missed it. I wasn't watching at this point. I don't know if they went for two and did not complete it or missed the or missed. kick because it's a seven six here with seven fifteen left to go on my screen. Uh, the Packers at about midfield. Sam Laporta with a seven yard touchdown reception. He's got two catches so far, 38 yards. Right now in fantasy, Sam Laporta in a PPR, 11.8 points. This is great for you. Pretty good for a tight end. You guys this afternoon, like, man, you're going to be going for this next hour. And the most important part of this game, as Michael Gelkin said, Dolly Parton at halftime. That is getting a lot of play. Uh, people are pumped about Dolly. I don't Dolly. know the other two guys. Uh, uh, tonight's Aoki? game is Steve Aoki. In, so who's, uh, who's in that? I only know. He's a, once again, going back to our conversations with uh, Laddie from last week, uh, he's a DJ, oh, Steve okay. Aoki, a very popular one. It's his, like, his bit at his concerts. He like will have a full-size sheet cake, hmm. and he'll like, throw it out into the crowd. Hmm. At so, like, and it'll just pelt someone in the face, this full-size sheet cake. It's... <laughs> And his aim is incredible because he's throwing it right off the stage. Um, I can't remember who's playing halftime here in this morning game. I, I want to say it's another DJ type person. I, I had the only I only know Sao Aoki, the old golfer. Oh sure, maybe sh- maybe relative here. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. maybe you never know. So uh, the Elks with a meeting. Uh, sorry, a, a news conference had a, a meeting this morning for their uh, shareholders. Uh, right now at eleven o'clock, uh, Chairman of the Board Tom Richards and. President Rick Lala sure will address the media and I'm sure there will be a few people there to ask some questions about the future moving forward here with possibilities of privatization. How does that sound? There's a word back in the day. Privatization? Yeah, privatization within the ownership. That used to be an old thing with healthcare and everything. <laughs> privatization. <laughs> Thanks to all our guests today. Aaron Bordado, Bordzi from Oilers Nation. Ladislav Schmieds, our co-host on Thursdays from 8 to 10. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli, and Lawal Uguaka, Great Cup champion, former Harry Ainley Titan, plus Michael Gelkin from the Dallas Morning News. Coming up at the top of the hour, it is... Former Rosh Shep T-Bird. 
<laughs> or we're switching the lines again? We, we had a text from X-Ray Goggs because the last time you you threw the former Ross Shep T-Bird and I hit the punchline of Connor Halley. Weird how people pick up on little well, things like Thanks that. for that. Appreciate it. Former Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley. And the Duke of Delburn, Brandon Douglas with uh, Fantasy Frenzy 12-2 to two is uh, the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. G- Jason Greger takes us home 2-6, to six, and I believe he will have Rick Lalasher on from the Edmonton Elks. Thanks so much for listening today, and thanks to all of our texters, including MMH, sending texts in this morning. And uh, we will uh, talk with you tomorrow morning, bright and early. Eddie Steele will uh, co-host with us from 7 to 9. Have a wonderful American Thanksgiving, everybody. Watch some football. Have some turkey, not some ham. Thanks for listening. We'll see you a bit later tomorrow. Uh, First up, here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.